Genesis chapter 6, and I'm sure you feel this way sometimes as well, and to be honest, it was, it, it's only in the sixth chapter of the whole entire Bible, one of the saddest statements that God himself could have ever said is right at the beginning, and uh, in, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is the sad part of it all, really. Verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. That's a really sad verse to read, and, and amazing how quickly that came about. We have 66 books, and that's in the first book. In only the sixth chapter of the first book of the Bible, God had seen what would happen to sinful man and how much, you know, the desire of man is always to go away from God. It's not to go to God. The Bible tells us that the things we can, will continue to get bad, right? In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that things are going to wax worse and worse. We have to expect that. And we, we have to be knowledgeable of that as well. How do we get control of our hearts and minds, though? How is it that we get control of that? I was talking in my Sunday school class today, and I said, sometimes we can manipulate certain feelings that we have, especially one, and this is a big one. We manipulate the righteous anger part of the Bible, when we get angry about something and we feel like we can tell people whatever we want because it's sin and it's wrong and I can say it however I want and I can be as angry as I want because I have righteous anger. Let's be careful of that, that we don't misuse those things in the Bible. And God knows where our heart really is to begin with. Are we really looking for, to have a righteous anger or are we really just looking for a vent to let out the anger that we already have on the inside? Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. And you know this verse, very popular verse, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? And I'll ask you that question, who is the only one who can know our heart? That's God. We can't sit down with a psychologist or a psychiatrist and say, what's going on inside? They can't really give us the answer like God can give us the answer. They can't really give us the help like God can give us the help. They can't give us the guidance and direction as God can. Listen, the heart is so deceitful above everything. You think of the most deceitful things in the world, even, even just visual things. The eye, your eyes can deceive you sometimes. All those things that maybe deceive us. He said the most deceitful thing on earth is your heart. You say, well, I feel like I, I know my heart pretty well. But as well as you think you know yourself, your heart, or your mind, God knows it even better. Let's turn to... Um, Matthew chapter 12. So if you haven't figured out, my message is 
called the heart and the mind. It's simply just the heart and the mind. And I want us to look at several verses about this because we talk a lot. And in, verse, in chapter 12 of Matthew, in, in verse 34, what does it tell us? It says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. He said, how can you be bringing out this evil when you're saying that it's all good? Just because we call something good doesn't make it good, right? It, it, it's all about what God calls good and what God calls evil. Uh, you know, one of the, those things, and I'll just be blatant with you, and I don't mean to get into politics too much, but we can be very deceiving just by our personification of how we talk, Right? To be honest, and, and, and I'm, I'll just tell you right now, I'm voting for President Trump. That's the bottom line. I'm voting for President Trump, whatever. I, I'm unapologetic about that. But I will say this. It's very easy to listen to the other side. They know how to use their words. And it's more soft-spoken. And it's a little bit easier to just kind of let that stuff come in, right? That's what made Obama such an intriguing president because he just knew how to talk to people. And you can say any lie that you want, but as long as you know how to talk, you can deceive people. As long as you can present yourself in a good way, even if you're saying the most heinous things, you can be deceived. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Don't make, so in other words, we can't make excuses about things that we've said. Well, I didn't really mean that. Well, that's, that, you know, I know that swear word came out, but that's not me. That's not me. That's not who I am. I don't, I don't really talk like that. That just, that just came out in the spur of a moment. That's not who I am. Turn to James chapter 3. Let's see what James has to say about that. James chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 It said, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And then he asked this question. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? What's the answer? No, you can't have sweet and bitter because the bitter is always going to be there. The aftertaste, whatever it is, the bitterness is always going to overcome that, right? He says, you can't have water coming out of the same fountain and you take a drink and, ooh, that was sweet. And then you drink it again and it tastes different. It's not like that. It's all the same. And then in verse 12, he says, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, even a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield sweet water and fresh. So when we say, well, that wasn't me. That's not how I talk. He says it is you because out of the fountain is who you are. It is you. So there's got to be some kind of bitterness hanging around down there. There's got to be some kind of anger, something going on in your heart. And listen, you don't even know it. God knows it. And you say, well, all right, God. So what do we do? We just say, well, you know, I didn't mean to say that. And, and we just kind of push it aside. No, 
We have to take a moment and think about what we've said and think about what we've done and say, all right, God, what is it that's lingering? Can we flush that out? I don't ever want to say those words again. I don't want to ever think that in my heart again. I don't want my mind to go in that direction again. You see, we make excuses sometimes. Well, that's not me. Well, James says it is you. So you better dig down in the fountain and find out what's in the well. Is there bitterness down in the well, anger, whatever it may be, dissatisfaction? We're going to look at this. And, and what are the source of these words? I want to ask you some of these things and, and think about your heart as uh, the words and our mind are connected all together. If you speak harsh words, there could be anger in your heart somewhere. Always just angry. If you speak negative words, then you may have a dissatisfied heart. It's looking around and not, not taking in the blessings, always just dissatisfied with life. You may have a dissatisfied heart. How about some prideful words? Some people have to build themselves up, but really, if you're always speaking prideful about yourself, maybe you actually have an insecure heart. I have to build myself up because I, I need people to see me up on this pinnacle. I need people to hear the words that I'm saying. I want them to look up to me. Listen, you just might be very insecure. And listen, God can change that. Just be secure in Christ. Don't be insecure in yourself. How about this? If you're always speaking filthy words, then you might have an unclean heart. How many of us hear filthy words all the time at work? But let me tell you something. How many of us crack a smile and laugh? That could mean that somewhere in our heart is unclean. You know, I, and I remember years ago, someone said a crass joke, and I smiled, and I kind of chuckled a little bit at it. And you know what happened right after that? I thought you were a Christian. I didn't think you would find that funny. You, you want to know how red my face got? You don't want to know how embarrassed I got? Because I let those words and things enter my mind, and then when I heard it, my heart just, because <laughs> I was letting it come on the inside. I, I, I was letting it kind of grow on me on the inside, and eventually, you know what? I, I don't feel it that bad anymore, and I just kind of laugh and shrug it off. You can have an unclean heart. How about critical words? You could have a bitter heart. Maybe, let's look at it in a good way, though. If you, if you are an encourager, you have a happy heart. If you're always encouraging people, it means that you're satisfied with what God has given you. And you're happy with the blessings that God has given you. Whatever the circumstance is, you have a happy heart because you speak encouraging words. Some people are very gentle words. They have a caring and loving heart. I'll tell you what, I, I haven't known Pastor Shot that long, but I, I would attribute, of course, all the good heart things to him, right? But from what I've, what I've learned of him and, and how I've grown to know him a little bit in just the time, I would attribute it, this to him, gentle words. 
He has a caring, a loving heart. He's just gentle. He's not harsh, you know, and so he has a gentle heart. And, and you understand that we're not necessarily looking out at other people. I'm just giving that an example. We're actually supposed to be looking at these at our own heart, okay? So now we're going to be like, okay, he speaks that way. He must be bitter. Oh, she speaks that way. She must have an unclean heart, you know? Okay, I understand that we can get that way, but that was just an example of what I was saying. But really, we're supposed to be looking at our own hearts right now. Okay, so truthful words, you have an honest heart. Faithful words, you have a godly heart. And if you struggle with any one of these or any combination of these, you need to look at Psalm 51 verse 10. So let's turn there. Psalm 51 verse 10 This is the very thing that you should speak if you saw anything in your heart and you say, I have a bitter heart. I have an angry heart. I know that I have an unclean heart because I'm crass and I swear and maybe not in church, but those are the things that, that are happening. And, and maybe I have that anger, angry heart or bitter heart or whatever it might be. This is the thing that you should do immediately is cry out to God as David did in Psalm 51 and say this to God. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That should be the prayer that you make. The very first thing when you realize there's something wrong, there's something going on. The fountain is bringing forth sweet and bitter and it's not supposed to. Right? Because it's not really possible for it to do that. So get praying on that verse. Get praying on that verse just every day to keep yourself from that. Don't wait until your heart gets that way. Don't wait until you start speaking that way. Don't wait until your mind starts wandering in different directions. Pray that prayer. We should pray that prayer every single day. God, create in me a a new heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's a prayer that we should make every single day. Now we're going to look at the mind a little bit. And uh, you don't have to flip. I know I'm going kind of all over the place. If you want to write the verse, some of the verses down, uh, you can. But in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Like we said, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Wait, I didn't know that the heart could think. Right, because they're both connected. They both work together. That's why we think sometimes, well, that's not me. That's not my heart. Wait a minute. God says that they're connected. There's a deepness deep down in your heart that you need to have cleansed and cleaned. He said every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In Romans, Romans 8, Verses 6 and 7 said, For to be carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. In other words, is an enemy of God. Against God, for it is subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. 
You understand, well, I don't have to, my mind's okay. I can do the things of God. I don't need to change my mind. I'm sure you didn't just read the end of that verse. It said, neither indeed can it be. It's not possible to have a carnal mind and be spiritual. Minded. You can't have sweet water and bitter. It's not possible. So when we say things and when we think things, we have to go right to God and say what? Create in me a clean heart, dear God, and renew a right spirit within me. Again, we're going to turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I told you we were going all over the place here. But you know what? We should go, go all over the place in the Bible. We should know the whole Bible, shouldn't we? We should be mindful of verses and, and, and stories and, and things in the Bible and know where they are and where they can be found so that we can share them with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-5, through 5, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in, present, uh, in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walked in the flesh, we did not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can't have uh, be compulsive. We can't be fearful. We can't think of the whole world as superstitions and all that kind of thing. Hatred, bitterness, lust, distrust. He says... There, that we can cast down the imaginations and every high thing that exalteth it itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. You mean to tell me that if I give it all to God and I don't walk in the flesh and I walk in the spirit, that all those thoughts God can keep take into captivity so I don't think them anymore? Yes. That's what the Spirit can do. Because too often we make excuses and we say, well, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. Well, God is, makes us a new creature, doesn't he? And we're supposed to be, uh, you know, justified, but also sanctified, which means we're continually growing in the Lord. We're supposed to be continuously changing. And becoming more and more like him. Yes, those things of hatred and bitterness and lust and distrust. And all those sort of things can be brought into captivity. If we would have the right spirit. Those things that we say are not controllable. Well, God can do things that are impossible. So the things that we think are uncontrollable can be controlled by God. Yes, scientifically, it doesn't make sense that a man could be swallowed by a fish and last three days. But with God, all things are possible. 
It doesn't make sense that you could part the Red Sea and walk on. By the way, it was dry land. I know that Hollywood, every time they're like stuck in the mud and they're trying to rush through because, you know, the Egyptians are coming and it's making this big dramatic thing. By the way, it was dry land that they walked on. It was easy for them to walk across the Red Sea. It was not a struggle or through the Red Sea, I should say. That's impossible, not with God. It's not possible that one man should die for the sins of the whole world. But with God, it's possible. It's impossible for my mind to change. It's who I am. With God, all things are possible. We must renew our mind. Look at Romans chapter 12. You know this, but it's always good to look at it. Because by the way, you do believe that the book is alive, right? So when we say, well, I know that verse. I don't have to read that anymore. I, can, I have it memorized and stuff. Well, you know what? Let's continue reading the same scriptures that we know with an open heart, and God's going to teach us something. God's going to reveal certain things to us from time to time that we didn't see before. It says in chapter 12, Romans, you could probably say this memorized without even looking, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world or become a part of it. Don't just blend in, right? I used one time an illustration of the fall, right? And the fall in evergreen trees. I said, we're supposed to be evergreen trees. We're not like the other trees that change and, and just follow in, into the other trees and we eventually die and fall apart. We're supposed to be like evergreen trees, not like them, always growing, staying green, in the winter, in the fall, in the good times, in the bad times, we're just always flourishing. That's how a Christian should be. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't change like everybody else. Don't follow them like the leaves change. But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You can renew your mind in God. You can think 100% differently with God that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's kind of attached to that because if you don't do verse 1 and the middle of, in uh, the first half of verse 2, you can't prove that which is good. I beseech you, I, I beg you to do these things, he's saying. And, if you, and, and, and since you can, you can prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God, you can do that if you do that, which means in contrast, if you don't do it, you can't do that. You can't prove how good God is if you continually live with a bitter heart or harsh words or an unclean heart and filthy words. We can't prove how good God is if we live that way. I have a, a few more verses. Actually, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to end right here. There's a, a, a few things that we need to do, and I'm just going to give you these verses, and the, uh, uh, I'm going to give you the examples and then the verses that are attached to them. Number one, we have to have determination. We have to be determined that we can change. 1 Corinthians 9.24 and Philippians 3.14. Are two verses that are attached to determination. Memorization. 
Proverbs 3.3. And then personalization. Make it personal to you. Because our tendencies are to think about other people all the time. And say, oh, this would have been a good message for a sister or so-and-so or a brother or so-and-so. No, it's a good message for all of us. I, I, uh, I said recently on Facebook just a very quick, a quick thing. You know, it's amazing sometimes when a preacher preaches and then that message is the most relevant message in his life. And I hashtagged, preaching is for the preacher too. Because I'm not telling you that I have it all figured out. I'm preaching to myself at the same time that I'm preaching to you. Determination, memorization, personalization, verbalization, speak it. Start speaking good things. Meditation. And then that will become your second nature. That will change who you are. And it's all because of him. That's ultimately it. I'm going to pray, and I'll have a Brother Shot come up, and he'll close the service as he sees fit. Um, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate and love being here. Um, you know, anytime you need, we're, we're willing to be here for you guys. So uh, let's pray, and uh, Pastor Shot will finish as he sees fit. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be mindful of our words and our, and our thoughts and our heart, but not just push it aside and, and say that, well, we can deal with that later, or that's not me, and, and we just kind of push it aside. But Lord, help us to change. Help us to be continually becoming more and more like you each and every day. Lord, we thank you for that. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.